This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Hello and welcome or welcome back to Self Work. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. I'm so glad you're here. I started Self Work five years ago now, to extend the walls of my practice to those of you who might already be very interested in psychological or emotional issues, to those of you who've just been diagnosed or you've had a loved one diagnosed with some kind of mental disorder or problem and you're looking for answers, but also to those of you who would say, I'd never go to one of them shrinks, (laughs) but you're just curious enough or unhappy enough to give self-work a listen. We're starting our sixth year today. I'm so glad you're here. We're going to talk about jealousy today in as many aspects as we have time for. There's a lot of research on it, but I looked for what I thought might be most helpful to you. And as always, I'll add my two bits into the discussion. Basically, know that most research finds that there's a good kind of jealousy and a bad jealousy. And we'll talk about the difference. And I loved one point made by Nick Wignall, who's another psychologist and podcaster, who brought up the importance of the story you listen to inside your head and how that story can exponentially increase feelings and actions of jealousy. There's another distinction, and this same really is any of the darker or more difficult emotions. It's very different feeling them and being aware they're there than acting on them. The listener voicemail today is about forgiveness of someone who's cut you out of an inheritance. One that sounds as if it could have been fairly large, as she mentions that the Enterprise was 100 years old. I'm going to talk about her issue with several things in mind, finances, family conflict, impact on children, and give her three general directions to go. What would you say to her? So please get comfortable and listen in to this episode, sponsored once again by our friends at Athletic Greens, as we discuss what can be a trilogy of trouble in a relationship, jealousy, envy, and possessiveness. There are a lot of definitions of jealousy out there, whether it's in a romantic context or professional context. Obviously, that makes a lot of difference. And although it's sometimes used interchangeably with the word envy, it's really not the same feeling, and we'll talk about that more in a minute. Jealousy is defined as having unpleasant suspicion, or apprehension of rivalship. And we're going to talk about two different types of jealousy. Each one of them can be relatively manageable, but it also can turn relationships into dangerous places. So what are the two types of jealousy? To me, as I read the literature, I figured out maybe there were two basic kinds. There's jealousy that arises from resentment and jealousy that arises from fear. Interestingly, I read some articles that suggested that jealousy was part of our biology due to the idea that if a man or woman was jealous of a rival of their sexual affections or attractions, that that increased the chances of increased procreation. The species would live on. That made me smile. Hopefully, we're a little past that, but probably not in many ways. Let's first talk about jealousy that arises from fear. There's simple Romantic jealousy, and I felt that certainly from my high school boyfriend who'd any time we weren't together seemed particularly enamored of a girl in Russellville, to my now husband whose old girlfriend seemed still quite interested when I met him. 
This is jealousy that's about rivalry, about the idea that maybe you've lost your place in someone else's life, or you have to compete. And of course, so many songs are about this form of jealousy. Demi Lovato's Tell Me You Love Me, Beyonce's Ring the Alarm, Shawn Mendes' Treat You Better, they're everywhere. Actually, this kind of jealousy can turn quite ugly, especially when it's part of a controlling, highly possessive relationship. What exactly do I mean by possessiveness? It's jealousy opposed to the personal independence of, or to any influence other than one's own upon, a child or spouse. Basically, you don't want your partner to have any independence or to listen to anyone but you. For many who've been lonely and not loved well, initial possessiveness can feel like wonderful attention. Your partner wants to know where you are every waking minute and some sleeping, but eventually that kind of control can turn very ugly. You're told over time you're not trustworthy. I've got to watch everything you do. Your partner seems jealous of every other relationship in your life and needs to be reassured by action and by word that they're number one in your life almost constantly. Even if you've given them no reason to believe differently, your partner may isolate you from those who might give you feedback that this relationship isn't too good for you, perhaps from family who they don't like or again see as rivals for your affection and time. But this brings up one point. Is the jealousy justified or unjustified? In what I was just talking about, it was basically unjustified. If you've truly not given any other reason to doubt your commitment, if you're there when you say you're going to be there, if you're consistent, then the jealousy is likely due to their own insecurity. However, if your partner has ridden the line of commitment very loosely, or even in polyamorous relationships, hasn't followed the rules that are often set up in those kinds of agreements, then the jealousy may be due to actual history and be justified. Often a therapist can offer feedback on this dynamic. Frequently, for example, if your mother or father had affairs, or both of them did, you might walk into a marriage or partnership with a lot of fear. Your reality was that real trust didn't exist. So you may want to trust or not be possessive, but it can prove very difficult. And you accuse your partner of things that you fear, but have little to no basis in reality. So, in therapy, you can sort out what is yours to work through and what is happening in the relationship that truly isn't building trust and is egging on jealousy. However, often, a person who's very possessive will staunchly defend it, saying things like, no man or woman can be just friends, or anybody who believes their partner wouldn't cheat is incredibly naive. Yes, naivete exists, that's true, and relationships that begin innocently can evolve into more of a romantic interest. But it's the absolutes that the person states, the absolutes that he or she insists on, that make that kind of possessiveness irrational. Hopefully, you can hear the distinction. I want to bring up one other point before we move on to envy. Often when a relationship has begun, when either one or both people in the relationship are legally or morally or publicly committed to another person, such as in marriage or another kind of relationship, and the two people have an affair, be it emotional or sexual, jealousy can become a problem in their new relationship because trust is a problem. After all, your lived experience with this person is that they have at least one time in their lives moved away from their commitment enough to be highly attracted to someone else, because that someone is you. 
So many couples never address this, feeling that their relationship after an affair is very solid without a lot of talking about what happened or how they might handle these issues in the future. I've sadly talked to way too many people who said, you know, it was always in the back of my mind. You know, they cheated with me. Secrets have power. I saw a married couple several years ago. The person the husband called his best friend was a woman his wife didn't even know existed in his life. He swore up and down it wasn't a sexual relationship, but she wanted it to end. The woman had become a rival because she was a secret. He looked at me and said, but I wasn't inappropriate with her and she's truly my best friend. Then I looked at him and said, well, why did you keep her a secret? Why didn't you ask her over to have your wife meet her? I don't know. I just never did. There could be many reasons for this. Maybe this guy grew up in a family where he had no power, and so keeping his best friend a secret was empowering for him. Maybe he was having sex with her and was ashamed. Maybe she reminded him of the sister who died when he was 10. I don't know. Maybe he didn't feel close to his wife, and this woman had been his confidant. Again, I have no clue at the beginning. But he kept her existence in his life a secret, and that is a huge mistake. Secrets can create jealousy out of fear for sure, and it's hard to regain that trust again. So if that's the way your relationship began, please address it. It's not dragging up the past. It's preparing for a more solid future because you know the game plan and it's one the two of you agree upon. Before we start talking about envy, I invite you to hear about AG1 and Athletic Green's commitment to bettering you and the world we live in. I've been talking to y'all about Athletic Greens now for a few months as they're our newest sponsor here at SelfWork, but they have a new name and spirit. It's AG1. Just like with Athletic Greens, you take one tasty scoop of AG1 that contains 75 vitamins, that's 75 minerals and whole food sourced ingredients, which include a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more. But Athletic Greens 1 has some really exciting news about the directions they're taking as a company, and I'm proud to tell you about them. Last year, they joined the How to Recycle program. This initiative tells you exactly how to dispose of your products and what goes where. Now, How to Recycle has evaluated all of AG's product packaging, and from their feedback, the company's been able to increase the recyclability of their products, reduce the amount of plastic they're using, and increase their use of recycled content. And they're proud to announce that they've officially committed to become climate-neutral certified and are hard at work looking at all of their 2020 emissions. And last but not least, since Athletic Greens One believes that access to nutrition is a fundamental human right, they're excited to announce a new partnership with No Kid Hungry to help serve nutritious meals to children across the United States. They've committed to donating 10 cents for every Athletic Greens order to No Kids Hungry for an entire year. So to make your ordering easy, Athletic Greens will give you an immune-supporting free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2, which I've learned actually must be taken together to be effective, D3 and K, and I take that every morning, with five free travel packs with your first purchase. Since you're a listener here at SelfWork, and the code is athleticgreens.com slash selfwork. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com slash selfwork to take control of your health and to give Athletic Greens One a try.
Let's talk for a minute about envy. Envy means discontented longing for someone else's advantages. You see that someone is having something you want to have or being someone you want to be, and you become very unhappy about it. You can take envy to its most ugly place, and it turns into coveting, meaning you not only are envious of that someone having something you want, you also want to take it away from them. When I consider this for a moment, just the envy part, perhaps this could be considered the same as jealousy that is born out of resentment. This could be professional or personal, certainly, but with this kind of jealousy, you feel resentment due to someone else's perceived advantages or success. Again, it's different from envy a little, where you see yourself in their place and want that success for yourself. Pure jealousy is simply, wow, I don't have that, and I want it too. So I'm wondering if envy is really jealousy that is born out of resentment, and I'll keep talking about it like that. The problems that are the basis for this kind of envy or jealousy is a sense of entitlement, perhaps, or obsessive thinking about the success of others and constantly comparing yourself harshly. But of course, in the worst case, there's true paranoia, where your mind convinces you that you not having those things is a plan that others have wielded against you. Paranoia is very hard to treat, as often the therapist becomes part of the perceived plan. This can turn into not simply suspiciousness, but psychosis, where your thinking is no longer rational. Paranoia is actually a whole topic into itself. Just know that once it becomes entrenched in someone's thinking, it can be very difficult to fix, unless the person themselves realize, wait a minute, I'm carrying this way too far, which, once paranoia takes effect, it is very hard for that to happen without a lot of treatment. So let's talk about entitlement. This is when a person believes that they've been cheated out of good things happening to them. It's the proverbial chip on their shoulder, or it could be true grandiosity. I'm so special, I deserve this, just as much or actually more than anyone else. Again, entitlement can be very tough to treat or to work with, dependent on how deeply it's entrenched in someone's psyche. I've heard this case scenario a lot. One person in a couple comes from a home that was stable. The parents loved their kids, maybe put them through college so they didn't have student debt when they got out. Maybe the parents themselves were wealthy, or perhaps they worked very hard to make education a priority. So that person is in the relationship with someone who had to take on lots of student debt, or whose parents were alcoholic or neglectful or whatever. There was abuse in the home. So there's a huge discrepancy in how each partner was raised. And even now, perhaps how those same parents might be still available to them. In healthy couples, where envy or jealousy emerging from resentment doesn't exist, both people can talk about these discrepancies and about how those affect them now. Sometimes the one who quote-unquote had it easy feels a little guilty about that in light of their partner's struggle. Maybe the one who wasn't supported emotionally or financially can think, gosh, What might I have been like if I'd had what my partner had? These are understandable questions and can be discussed honestly without either person getting defensive. But it's when labels suddenly appear in arguments like you're so spoiled or you're such a victim that the differences between these two people can become a way they have of hurting one another, viciously attacking or trying to undermine the other. 
for things that were in reality totally out of their control. This can be true of any difference, your religious difference or lack of religion, your culture, your skin color, whatever. Again, what does the healthier couple do? They recognize the strengths that their differences bring to their partnership and how each can benefit from their partner's perspective and if they choose to have children, that can also happen. But let's talk about the individual who might feel envy, who look at someone else's life and think, wow, I'd really like to be where they are. Is there healthy envy? I loved what psychologist and podcaster Nick Wignall had to say about this. He actually hosted me on his podcast, Minds and Mics. He's a great guy. He points out that what you envy can offer a direction to your life. I'm going to quote him. An interesting implication of this way of looking at jealousy, by the way, is that jealousy is often a good indicator of what we value. Two jealousy researchers, Ramakandran and Jalal, have argued that, quote, what you really value in life is more often revealed by asking yourself, who are you jealous of, rather than asking yourself directly, what do I value? This is another sense in which, even though jealousy feels bad, it could, with the right perspective, be a useful tool to accomplish something productive, like getting to know your values. So now let's go back to jealousy that's caused by fear. It, too, can actually be a guidepost, and here is what Nick has to say about it. This kind of jealousy is a very understandable reaction to realize that you're lacking something or are at risk of losing something that is valuable to you. I love this way of turning what can be seen as a negative or painful emotion actually leading you to more positive thinking and results. I made a point at the beginning of the podcast that I want to reiterate. Having any of these feelings, jealousy, envy, or even possessiveness, doesn't have to translate into acting them out. As Nick says, they can be signposts of what's important, of what you want to create, of what you don't want to lose. Yet you need to become aware of how they might be influencing your actions in a negative way. And again, therapy or a really trusted friend, somebody that will call you on your stuff, which is probably not the word you'd use, can be very helpful. Try it out. Try turning jealousy, envy, or even possessiveness into figuring out what you value, what you're afraid of, and what you want to work toward. Good luck. Our listener email today is from someone who's trying to handle the hurt of being cut out of her inheritance. Hi, Dr. Margaret. I was wondering if you could help us um, with the, the topic of forgiveness, trying to let go of something that was very hurtful. And um, I know it's better for my health if I can forgive. It involves um, uh, being disinherited from a 100-year-old um, estate. And uh, I know I want to move on from this. So I would really, really appreciate your comments about that. Thank you. Interestingly enough, when I divorced the first time, I heard through my mother that her mother, my grandmother, had cut me out of her will. I'm not sure exactly why. She was staunchly Southern Baptist and may have been so embarrassed by my actions, her first grandchild getting a divorce, 
that she wanted to punish me somehow or she thought I was going to hell. I have no idea. She actually never mentioned it to me and remained very loving. But her belief system prompted her to act in this way. So when I first heard this woman's question, my thoughts jumped to wondering what she believed needed her forgiveness. Was it a person? Was it an act? I'm not sure whether the person who died cut her out or if there was family fighting over the inheritance and she lost that battle. So understanding that might be important. Was her losing her inheritance part of a long-standing conflict or was it a surprise? Was it due to a parent's actions or a sibling, a grandparent, cousins, or just who? And was the hurt mainly based on the loss of the relationship or the loss of the money? It sounds as if she was struggling to forgive greed or envy, as we've discussed today, or someone perhaps using either the lack of a will or some kind of legal manipulation to get more than their fair share of the inheritance. Again, we don't know. She also stated that there was a 100-year-old family business or enterprise involved, and that puts a different light on it. Sometimes families whose business goes way back have a ritual of inheritance, And you can make plans based on that ritual. It doesn't mean you're not grateful or that you realize that not everyone, in fact, most people don't have this kind of ritual of giving or this kind of money. For example, maybe the ritual is the grandparents to give to their children directly and then those children give to their children. So was she skipped in this ritual or was the ritual somehow changed? What was her role of expectation? Maybe she planned on funding something important in her life or her children's lives from the inheritance. Maybe her lack of forgiveness has more to do with her children than with herself. How many times have I heard someone say, including myself, I can forgive hurting me, but I struggle to forgive hurting my child. Gosh, there could be so many other circumstances. Perhaps she was in an abusive relationship and she was going to use her part of the inheritance to get out. She doesn't say, so we're only left to imagine. So, in thinking about all that, let's see if there's some organization in what I have to offer. First, I think I would tell her, figure out what you're grieving. Be as specific as possible and write these things down. Give yourself time and space to connect with and feel the feelings of grief that you have. Remembering that all those feelings can include denial, sadness, disbelief, anger, confusion, almost anything. Number two, realize forgiveness is a choice. There are many families who become estranged by conflict over a will or some other kind of conflict, and that's very sad in many ways, but it can be experienced and lived through. So, don't say I have to forgive, but if you want to find your way to forgiveness, then try to do so. And here's number three, try to see things from the perspective of the person you've been hurt by or you're angry with and claim your own part in whatever conflict there was or has been. That will also help with moving forward. Ask yourself, what do I want or need to learn from this? Good luck to you. I'm sorry this is so hard for you, and I hope you find your way. Thank you again for being here on the 255th episode of Self Work. I so appreciate your ratings and reviews. 
Brooke Allison Mudrock says, I've been listening to and loving Dr. Margaret's podcast. I also got her book, Perfectly Hidden Depression, and have learned and gained so much insight about myself. The aha moments have been countless from the book to the podcast. I even reached out to Dr. Margaret via email, and she responded right away. If only she was able to treat clients in other states. Fingers crossed that one day that changes. She's amazing. Gosh, thank you so much, Brooke. I really appreciate that. You don't know what it means to me to hear things like that from those of you who listen to self-work. Or just leave me a rating. That's very cool, too. I watch those go up, and it means I know people are listening and really enjoying it. So take time on Apple Podcasts to subscribe or give a rating or review, and you can help spread the word that self-work can be very helpful. And it's a little unique in the whole podcast world. Thank you also to the people who have read and reviewed Perfectly Hidden Depression. Those reviews are still ongoing and still so very important. I'm hoping to have some great news to share with you in the next month or two about Perfectly Hidden Depression, but know that it's going somewhere. And I could not do it without those of you who are reading it and letting me know through your reviews what it has meant to you and letting other people know that's what's so special. There are lots of ways to get in touch with me. My website is drmargaretrutherford.com. My email is askdrmargaret at drmargaretrutherford.com. I run a Facebook closed group at facebook.com slash groups slash selfwork. And there's a whole new way to reach out to me. And you can actually talk with me. I'm now doing a little separate podcast on Fireside Chat. And the link is firesidechat.com slash Margaret Rutherford. Say that again, firesidechat.com slash Margaret Rutherford. And if you use that link, you can sign up for a fireside chat. Sorry, guys, right now it does not cover Android phones, but they're working on that. But basically, I give a podcast a week and y'all can come on, follow me on fireside chat, and then talk with me. It's really cool. It's an interactive podcast. And I'd love to have you there. I'm going to give you the link one more time. It doesn't cost anything. It's firesidechat.com slash Margaret Rutherford. Come join me. I'd love to have you there. As always, thank you for being here today. Please take very good care. We're coming up on the holidays, and that can be a very hard time given the pandemic that's ongoing, as well as just trying to manage mental illness or whatever struggles you have in your family. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self Work.